Pushkin. I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tight Knit Brewing. They turn to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. Together with Delta, they're putting 5G into the hands of ground staff so they can better assist on-the-go travelers with real-time information. From the Delta Sky Club to the Jet Bridge, this is elevating customer experience. This is Delta with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Last spring, my friend Stephanie and I had a chance to travel to Rome as part of her research trip. And as usual when I travel, we stayed at an amazing Airbnb. It was the perfect spot to check out the sights and just relax. But what was happening to my house while I was away? Did you know that while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb? Most people don't think about their space as an Airbnb, but hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey everyone, welcome to Talk Easy. Generally, I would say this is a podcast, a weekly podcast, around conversations with the people shaping our culture today, but today's a special bonus episode of sorts. We generally don't put two episodes out uh, in a week. In fact, I think this is the first time we've done that. Um, but there's a reason for that, and it's mainly because uh, given the sort of dialogue being had in this country right now, both before and after the debate a couple nights ago, um, it seemed the only thing I can think about and what most of us can think about and pretty much all my friends and people I bump into can think about is this goddamn uh, election. And uh, I feel uniquely unqualified to really comment on it. Um, so that's why we called on our friend of the show, W. Kamau Bell. He's a comedian, sociopolitical commentator for CNN's United Shades of America, He's also the co-host of Politically Reactive, a new show on Panoply. He's also the co-host of Politically Reactive, the Denzel Washington podcast, and Kamau Now. For those who have been with us long enough, Kamau came on episode two of the show, I believe, back when we launched in April. And if you're interested in what you hear today, I would urge you to go back to hear our longer uh, conversation, which was also in person. But additionally, the impetus for having Kamau back on is his new comedy special, which you can buy on Kill Rockstars called Semi-Prominent Negro. It's a consistently funny hour of topical, biting commentary on everything from the end of Obama's presidency to the gentrification in the Bay Area. And when I heard about it in Brooklyn, I was a little bit worried that we were going to be in the part of Brooklyn that was maybe not feeling like Brooklyn, you know what I mean? Then as I got out of the subway walking, I was like, oh, no, this is still Brooklyn right here. This is... This has not been touched totally by the gentrification brush yet. It's coming. The arena's down the street. We know it's coming. 
But yeah, man, gentrification sweeping the nation, man. Happens, affects the Bay Area. And gentrification's got to a new next level of gentrification. Like, you know gentrification's bad now because white people are mad about it. <laughs> There's white people in Williamsburg right now like, hey, I have lived here for two years. <laughs> two years, goddammit. I remember when that coffee shop was a different coffee shop. <laughs> Anyway, we talk about a whole lot on the podcast, uh, from Trump's mental state to Kamau's place on CNN and the behind-the-scenes life of CNN, which is very, very interesting, and a whole lot more. So I hope you enjoy this bonus episode. Here is W. Kamau Bell. Uh First off, you know you are the only person to come on the show twice. We've done like 28 episodes now. You were like episode two, and now you're the you're the reoccurring guest guy. <laughs> well, it's good. It's good to be that guy because you know if I can establish that pattern with you, then no matter where my career goes, if I if it all crashes, I can always come back here. You always got me. You always have me. I'm always on your side. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but things are going so well. They're going so well, right? I mean, am, am I, I, I'm just, this is from the outside. I haven't talked to you in, in a couple months. Yeah. Uh, th- are things good? Yeah, I mean, things are things are good. Uh, it's super, you know, I'm, I'm super busy, which is good. Uh, I have two kids, which is good to be busy when you have kids. It's also hard to be busy when you have kids. But, you know, yeah, things are, this. if I had planned it out, I wouldn't have thought it was going to, things were going to be this hectic so i'm happy to be i'm happy to be busy it's also stressful but i'm happy to be busy <laughs> you know the the podcast the politically reactive podcast has been i think i texted you like god it is so good it, it just keeps getting better and better um and i was listening to to the new comedy album this morning and, and then i was just thinking to myself like when do you where do you go to like get inspired or like not because you're asked to publicly talk a lot yeah and i find like when i'm in those stretches where i have to like constantly answer to people or i have to publicly talk um like i get too wrapped up in my own thoughts and there's not enough time to look elsewhere Mm -hmm. so how do you how do you manage that i mean i i do sort of i am aware that i can't like you know because i work with cnn and there's an i basically they invite me to go on a couple times a week to do things. And right now I'm at a point where I was like, I'm really sort of, I've turned that down a lot because I'm so, I'm doing so many things. It's hard to sort of put your head up and go talk about the dumb thing somebody did today. <laughs> like right. it's just like, you know, so I'm, I am getting better at like realizing like I can't do everything all the time. Like there are times when I can like get in a good stretch with that and sort of just do that. But, but there's people on that network who are professionally that who are way better than I am. So I feel like, you know, I'll let, Angela Rye handle it. She does a good job, but, uh, Van Jones can take it. But for me, it's just like, I have to be aware of like where my strengths are. And when I'm starting to be overtaxed, I'm getting better with that. Like, you know, I think 2016 was probably the year of yes. And I think 2017 is going to be the year of like, no, not today. Well, so is it, was it the year of yes because of the sort of fallout with the last show? Like, did you find like you had, you wanted to do more? Cause remember when we talked about before the totally biased when it got canceled, there were you were concerned that there wouldn't be a rebound, and you've rebounded way stronger. You're doing work, you know, more work than ever. Is that part of why you've been more inclined to say yes? 
I mean, I think I've been inclined to say yes because I knew once I left Totally Biased that I didn't want to have to commit that much time to any one project again because you sort of have to put all your creative endeavors in that one place. Mm-hmm. And I realized one of the things I didn't like about Totally Biased is like it didn't hold everything I was interested in. And but it took up so much space that I didn't have brain power to do other things. And I think that's, you know, one of the reasons that I think Jon Stewart eventually left The Daily Show. It's not because he was had no more to say. It's just because he was like, I can't direct a movie about torture on The Daily Show. (laughs) (laughs) There's not a way I can pitch that segment. Yeah. So uh, that'd be a tough segment to pitch. That'd be a tough, tough segment to pitch. But in those shows, you know, like in those late night talk show formats, you have to sort of everything has to hold. It has to hold everything you want to do or it has to hold as much. You know, it has to hold a ton of time, a ton of things. So for me. I was very excited about it once it was over. One, I needed, I knew I needed to put food on the table for my family. And two, I was like, I can take on more projects. So the first thing I took on was the Denzel Washington podcast because it was like there was no way. I was just sort of burning to do something that was fun. And there was no way that that was ever going to happen on Totally Bias in that way. So like that was the first thing I took on. And when I took that on, I really had not much else going on. And I was sort of still in the act of like finding jobs. And then it was like the pilot for for the show came up. And for United States of America. And then, you know, somebody in San Francisco was like, uh, Matt Martin from KLW, we had connected before. He's like, hey, let's talk about doing something. So we started doing Come Out Right Now, this once a month talk show. And then out of nowhere, First Look Media came to me with Lisa Gang, who I knew from back in the day of comedy. She was like a big booker in LA who mm-hmm. never booked me because I was not funny then. I don't blame her. But uh, I don't did blame you, her at all. Way, did, you, did you lead with that in the conversation about the new show? Oh, that, she knew. I mean, we knew each other. She, I mean, we didn't have to. She knew. We knew. <laughs> like, <it> was, <laughs> she, she always was tracking me and I was always aware, like, not yet? Nope. Okay, good. Uh, and I knew, <laughs> I had friends who had worked with her a lot. So she, she, she knew what she was doing. And that's why when she came to me, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I must have finally leveled up. You hit, uh, you, you hit, you passed like the funny bar. Yeah, yeah, and so, you know, I basically did the thing. I went and walked the earth like Kwai Chang Kane and came back to the tip, <laughs> like, ready to kick all the ass. And uh, and so, you know, so she was like, okay. So, you know, so that sort of fell into my lap, and that I was sort of a little bit like, I don't know if I'm ready to take on another project, but then they said, you can have an occasional co-host if you want to. And I was like, okay, I will do it if Hari can be my co-host every every week. If it's our show, that's like, I will absolutely do it, because I was like, I would love to work with Hari, we don't talk enough. We don't see each other enough. And so really all these podcasts are efforts to talk, see my friends more often. That, you know, the dynamic between you two, is that like pretty accurate to what your friendship is? I, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's turned on a little bit cause we're on the radio or, you know, on the radio cause we're recording the podcast, yeah. but it's no, it's a hundred percent accurate. There's a very much a older brother, little brother thing. Sometimes like uncle, nephew thing because he sort of treats he calls me his mentor a lot but yeah there's definitely like a you know he's aware that you know he's he's sort of like always overwhelmed by everything he's doing and i'm like oh you're overwhelmed single guy with no kids (laughs) so so there's so there's that you know so yeah but also certainly absolutely i think comes from you know a place of love and yeah i I, he's one of my favorite comedians and he claims that i'm one of his favorite ones so yeah that's where it starts i knew the dynamic worked for the podcast um i think it was during the rachel maddow episode where you just constantly kept harassing him about how you could still text rachel maddow yeah so we're i will i'll be friends with her afterward and you won't be able to (laughs) (laughs) i was i remember i was driving up back to la and i was listening to that in my car and just dying laughing through the grapevine <laughs> you, uh, 
The show's great. Let's talk about the the special. Um, you know, I was thinking you're like now you're like Justin Timberlake. That's what you are. Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Is that what I'm like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come out. You're okay. doing all these things, and um, you're you're like somehow managed to not be spread thin, or at least if you are spread thin, it doesn't come through in the work. Like it's all still. Like the special's good is what I'm saying. That was my Thank way you. of saying that. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I mean, the thing about that is that that you know we recorded that last December and it came on Showtime earlier this right. year. So at the time, I was you know I had just finished. Uh, we just finished filming. Yeah, we were we were still no. I guess we were done filming, but you know I was in the middle of like you know the, I sort of pushed everything to, aside so I could do that like i was doing some college gigs but i was really like the special was really important to me so because i hadn't done a stand-up thing since totally biased since before totally biased and it was just really it's really important to me to be a comedian who releases material mm-hmm. and it had been it had been too long as far as i was concerned so there was probably like two hours of i'm sure there was two hours of material in me that i had to sort of call through with new stuff to get to the thing i wanted and you know i look at it and i go i'm really proud of it and also like excited to like do a better version of it but also like it was a that was great because it was an opportunity to work with Morgan Spurlock. Like that was not something I had ever, you know, sitting back watching Super Size Me back in the day and loving his work. Like the fact that I was able to like reach out to him and go, "Hey, you've never directed a comedy special, have you?" And I was literally like, "You've directed One Direction. You can direct me." And so he was, he was like, "Yes, I can." So that was a that's, that's I'm a, always that's, in, that's a seamless transition. One Direction to Kamal Bell. Well, you know, we went Justin Timberlake to me to One Direction. <laughs> you called uh, uh, Trump. The nagging cough that turns to AIDS. Uh, yes. <laughs> so like that, that was that was in December of last year. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Listening to that, I'm like, oh man, what? So what? What are we calling it now? Uh, I think it's like it's the, it's the. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's what's worse than that. Uh, it's, it's, it's. I think it's just like, dying. I think yeah, you just I, die. Well, that's the thing. But it's like we 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 aren't. He, he's not. It's a weird thing. It's like. We're like we're not dead yet. It's like, could you just kill us? Like I feel like right now, it's like we're like lingering on, and we're waiting for this. You know, an injection of Hillary is not necessarily gonna. It's not gonna make us a hundred percent better, but at least we'll stave off death. Like I feel like so. Right now, we're waiting for an injection of Hillary Clinton just to stave off death, so that maybe we can get healthy enough and save ourselves. Are you as someone who's like? Yeah, I've always I've told you this before. Like it, it, it amazes me the frequency in which you like tweet and like comment on these things on a day to day. I don't know how you manage that. Uh, I mean, it comes in bursts. It's definitely a thing where like, I feel like I, I probably used to be a lot more active. I've certainly, I, I try to wean myself off Twitter. Like, cause and feel like you don't have to comment on everything all the time. Hmm. But I think when I'm on, I'm like, it's like I've clocked in. Like I've tweeted, I live tweeted the debates the other night and a friend of mine was like, Jesus, look how fast you're typing. <laughs> and I'm not even a really good typer. So it's like typist, I can be much faster. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's like, it's about live, you know, engaging in the moments. Have you figured out any other way to talk about Donald Trump? Like, I, I feel like it's just been, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I'm just completely over it. Yeah, I, I feel very similar. I am completely over it. Uh, I don't have a, um, uh, yeah, I, I, like I'm going on this tour. I'm going to be in, you know, D.C. and New York and Boston and Portland. And I know people are kind of like, there's a sense of like, what's he going to say about Trump? And I was like, I feel like I said it in that joke. <laughs> like, I feel like I still feel similarly to that. I still feel, all you can do is talk about the details and sort of like, sort of like really pull the details apart of like, 
what is going on now. It's not so much about skewering him. It's about like skewering all of us for being involved in this. Like, you know, like 11 years ago, Billy Bush gets on a bus with Donald Trump. 11 years later, he loses his job. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way he saw that coming. Like, I just think that like just the ridiculous nature of, of how much of a nuke of how much, how toxic this dude is. And yet it's like the virus that can't kill itself. Well, what what I found interesting about that video or the the audio of it was like, oh, this is going to be the death of Trump, and I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. I don't buy. Do you, I mean, do you buy that? No, it's not. It obviously hasn't. I mean, that's what I said. He's he's like a virus where he's like he gets everybody else sick, but he's not taking. It's not hurting him because I mean, the funny thing is, a lot of people pointed this out. Billy Bush lost his job over in, being a wingman. It's like, just like, crazy, just crazy. Just being the wingman, not even being the dude. Meanwhile, the dude tweeted out, "I'm glad the shackles are off now. I can." <sighs> it's like he he feel he's stronger over something, and and never. I don't think a tweet has gone out where he's like, uh, "Just uh, just like to apologize to Billy Bush for pulling him into my circle of awful." <laughs> <laughs> like, that guy's got kids and a wife. Like it's like he just lost his job, you know. And I'm I think he should have lost his job, but it's just funny. Like if I think if I had been partially responsible, I might feel bad. Trump, not at all. His I wish there was someone sort of um doing like a behind the scenes documentary on Trump during this election. Because I'd love to see just video footage of him tweeting at three AM. Yes, that I mean who, there might be that for all we know. I know. God, I hope. I hope there's someone that's like secretly a Democrat working yeah. on his campaign. Yeah, there's got to be. There's so many books that. Well, I, or what you really want is somebody who's a, a hardcore Trump supporter right now who, in six months, just snaps out of it and goes, "Oh my God, I've seen so many things." Somebody who <laughs> back so in the day things. wasn't looking at it critically and then realized, "Oh my God, I can't believe what I allowed myself to see." Kind of like, kind of like the people who, after the Penn State thing, who were at Penn State all day, just like, "Oh my God." <laughs> <laughs> That's and I, and I also I said to my friend Jeremy the other day I was like I wish I could be alive in a hundred years to read the history books about this like how historians sort of parse this part out when you go the, the whether Trump wins or not just the the sort of the idea that the country potentially went from Obama to Trump like just the, the how how people with the degrees sort of figure it out I think I but you know I mean I'll try to freeze my body and see what happens yeah yeah you can try doing that it's gonna be shameful I think and and though I guess. Do you have this fear that it like gets worse? Like maybe he loses. He probably loses, I think, just looking at the numbers. But he has figured out some sort of system to gain popularity. Or is this like a do you think it only strikes once like this? No, it's funny. I had to talk with uh Van Jones, who you know, who it was after right after we finished taking politically reactive. That's like, by he- the way, for people who have not heard that episode, it was just a really phenomenal episode. Yeah, that was the although that was the one that started the Hari and Company thing because Van had not met Hari and Hari yeah. was not in the room, so he just didn't know. He didn't really. He just didn't like know. I said, like I said, it's a great episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, so I felt bad for Hari that day, but I'm glad he recovered and, and his fans and the Hari supporters have recovered too. So uh, now it's Kamau and Company too. Uh, <laughs> but all right. Uh, so the uh, yeah, like he was saying, like after we finished, he was like he was kind of basically like pulled me aside, like, hey man. No matter who wins, it's gonna be ugly. <laughs> like, it's just gonna be so. He was like, I've basically like I've seen this before. I, you know, it's, and he said people like us are the ones who people are gonna be like, wait, can you help me figure this out? Because yeah, and I sort of like yeah, because I remember remember after Obama won and Obama, the election was 
for the what you know there was a sense of positivity from the Obama supporters, overwhelming positivity and overwhelming negativity for the for the uh, you know McCain and I mean I'm thinking about the first election McCain. Oh, right, yeah. But this time there's over overwhelming negativity on both sides for both sides. Yeah, it's sort of a loss loss. Yeah. Situation. So if Hillary wins, it's going to be like for some people, there's a percentage of people who'd be like, yay, who really believe in her. And I've, I'm friends with some of those people. But for a lot of people, it's going to be like, whew, oh God, we avoided that horrible car accident. <laughs> like, you, know, <laughs> you know, like it's just going to be a sense of that, not a sense of like, uh, of like celebration. Hillary's got a mandate. And, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, blah, blah. there's all this electoral stuff too where maybe if we win the House and the Senate, blah, 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 blah. blah. But, you know, that's all nonsense you have bay area friends because i'm assuming this because I, I have them too that uh that are voting gary johnson or jill stein right i mean i nobody who i'm trying to think i have people i know who are doing that nobody who is a close friend of mine who has revealed it which is what i do <laughs> i do I, like i consider rosa clemente a friend and she's definitely voting green party jill stein so mm-hmm. you know I, so i think that like definitely people i associate with but Trying to think, I I don't think my wife would would I don't think anybody would reveal to my, to my wife that she's voted that they're voting uh, Jill Stein or Gary Johnson. So I think maybe I've been protected from that. Do you find that people who are, um, like, is it? Do you think it's irresponsible? You know, it's funny this because of the electoral college. I think it depends on what state you live in. Right, that's exactly how. So if, <laughs> like in California, like I could give a shit who you vote yeah. for. Yeah. Um, but if you're in Ohio, yeah, slow you know, down. Like, think this through. Think this yeah. through a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely. I mean, if I lived in, I mean, I still, I, you know, I, I still sort of like, like, who am I going to vote for? I mean, I, you know, because it's because it, mostly I think I waver because I know I can just really lodge a protest vote and <laughs> feel okay about it in California. But I also know if I lived in Ohio, that I would be that my feelings would be quite different. But I think ultimately, and Rosa Clemente had a good thing too about voting is intensely personal. Like we have, we can't, we we can't take that away from people. And I was like, that's a good point. But you know, I, see, and I, so I guess I, I'm, I think it is, but I also think it that doesn't matter in a way. Like I, I, I think voting should be results oriented. Like that's I, I understand you want to vote your moral conscience, and I don't know if I would vote for Hillary in that, but. Um, like it's just any by any means necessary. We can't have Donald Trump. So yes, I don't know. I go back and forth. It's well, tough. that's I, that's what I think. That's what I'm saying. It's like it feels like what this really reveals to me is the like. I mean, which I hope reveals to all of us. I don't know what the chances of this is, but then I also didn't think that we would have marriage equality eight years ago. So like, I mean, is the electoral college is insane. It's just a giant Ponzi scheme set up to sort of like, even though we got rid of slavery, some of that stuff still should, we should keep. Like, you know, we should still let <laughs> the landowners and the and the and the uh, the property, the like the people who control. We should still let some people have a higher level of import. And so, to me, it's like you have to wipe out the electoral college, and then we can actually have this discussion in a very different way. Hmm. Last thing on Trump, do you think that? Um... Like, should he be diagnosed with something? Like, is he? Do you think there's actually something very mentally wrong with him? And like, and I mean this in a completely and no, I, no, I complete just, sincerity. Yeah, yeah, you're not the first person to say this. That you know, there, there's. I mean, I think. I mean, I, if, who knows? Probably, maybe. I mean, he could be on stuff. We don't know. You know, he's. You know, he could. We certainly. I certainly don't trust. Uh, Dr. Disco to tell me what's going on with Trump. Uh, that, <laughs> you know, but I think the thing for me is like, 
I think billionaire is potential is is like potentially a disease. Like, I think like so, and I think you can really see that in the fact that like people like Buffett and Bill Gates are like, I'm giving away half my money to charity. Like they know like this is toxic. This is like this is right. this this is actually a problem. Like, and so I think that like when you combine like that level of wealth with that with that with with a white cisgender heterosexual. Uh, tall man who's been, who when he was younger he was good looking you know like so like uh, <laughs> from from the greatest city in the world like all that sort of privilege you know uh, I'm saying New York for many people is the greatest city in the world certainly people who live in New York are born in New York so when you combine all that it's like your level of privilege is so high that I think it's like it can be sort of like um, like you can be it can be a mental illness I don't know if it's a diagnosable one but I think it's certainly lead to like narcissism and and uh, and grandiosity. And so I think it like, for me, it's like, if you stripped away his billion dollars, maybe he would start to, maybe he would start to snap back into reality. Uh, so how are you feeling about, um, being a father and doing as much as you're doing? You know, this morning I dropped off my, uh, actually both my kids at school. My youngest daughter is about to start is starting is in the process of starting preschool. It's a several day process to get them adjusted. But my oldest daughter just started kindergarten and, 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 you know, we, and so as we just dropped off at school this morning and I was, and she knew I had to go on a trip. We just say, I have to go on a trip, but she knows trip means I have to go to work and I'll be gone for days. And she just sort of was like, don't go. And she understands, like she understands that I'm going, that this is what I do for a living. And yet she was just like, don't go. And it's just like, oh man, (laughs) like, and I'm going to be gone for, for like 10 days. So it's like. You know, they get into a good rhythm once I'm gone, but also they reach out and we call and it's also hard on my wife. So it's really, I mean, that's the thing about being so busy. I just need, like everything is sort of hitting at once and I just need to, in 2017, I'm going to do my goals to do a much better job of not lining everything up to happen at once. Like sort of, you know, like we took a few weeks off the Denzel podcast because it was just like, there's too many things happening and, and politically reactive was just too irresistible to let go. So, right. Uh, but you know, that uh, ostensibly that will come to an end when the, after the, when the election hits, but we'll see what happens. It's done very well and we're super excited about it. Yeah, no, I, I think it seems like something worth continuing. Do you feel like you miss out on stuff with your kids? I mean, you know, I think you, you, uh, yes, of course. But I mean, I miss out on stuff today with her being at kindergarten. You know, like, so again, yeah, well, yeah. I, I wanted to go to kindergarten. So, I mean, I just think I take a really long view of this. Like, this is what I do for a living. I'm going to miss my daughter's and my youngest daughter's actual birthday while I'm gone, but we're going to have the party on a day that I'm here. So I just sort of like, yeah. you know, as much as like, you know, you sort of like have to sort of go, well, yeah, it sucks. That I'm here for her actual birthday, but I'm not going to miss the party, you know? So she, and she's two, so it doesn't, you know, she's not, it's not, it's not like she's, I'm missing her 16 year old birthday, but I also think that, you know, we, we have to be flexible. This is the work that we do. And, and, I, you know, I, I think when I'm around, I make a big effort to make sure that I'm around and I'm like, let's go to the park, let's go to the bookstore, you know, like in let's mm. and also let's just hang out, <laughs> like, let's just like be together. And, and so I really make an effort to, to do all that stuff. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I definitely would like to be around more, but I'll, and also, you know, I, I, that's why it's important to me to create work that I'm proud of so that one day my kids, when they realize exactly what the work is, that they will hopefully be proud of it too. It's also one of those investment things like you they're going to go to college like you're going to be able to pay for college now. 
Well, that, well, yeah, well, you know, it depends. Uh, college gets, keeps getting so expensive. I might have to get, I might have to get like several Pixar sequels to really pay for college. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, it is a thing. By about, the way, like, not just one Pixar sequel, but several, several Pixar. <laughs> like, I'll have to replace Woody in the Toy Story franchise. <laughs> a little bit of a different take. Sorry, Tom Hanks. Uh, yeah, Tom. yeah, you know, well, Tom Hanks eventually will just step down. He'll have had enough, but. uh you know he's also a Bay Area guy, so we will he'll have, he'll want to give it to another Bay Area guy. But exactly. uh, so yeah, so I think that like you know it is a thing where like where my kids go to school, I want to make sure they go to good schools that we feel good about, that we feel good about leaving them at all day. And so it's yeah, the the money's not for just uh, uh, for for shiny things. It's it's really like I sort of go well, this is all in an effort to make my kids have the life I think they deserve, and also so that we can, I can you know at the same time. Uh, teach them that yeah like you know same thing i learned you gotta my mom was a hustler she had to, she didn't have a job when, I, when she moved to chicago to start her own publishing company and then it just like and i look back on that and go how did she pay the bills like you know like you know mm. and i remember her working hard i remember her you know i would go on trips with her to help her sell books and da, 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 but it was just like this is what we do you know so and this is also how you create a life for yourself that isn't showing up in an office where you hate everybody and have to eat their dumb birthday cake. So, uh, you know, I think <laughs> this is the, this is, this is how I was raised. So I think this is just the nature. And also my dad, like, you know, did work in corporate America, but he ascended to a level where he was able to sort of create his own reality. And I think that, so a little bit, I've combined both those things. Like I work at a very big corporation, <laughs> the Turner Broadcasting Network, <laughs> but I also, you know, have, have a couple punk rock ba- bands in these podcasts. Yeah. See that, I think the mix there is interesting. Um, I want to get to that, but I actually I wanted to hit on you don't in in the time that I've known you, I've never thought like, man, Kamau is like a, a high roller. He like he's showing up in his <laughs> like, not not to not to say that you're not well dressed or like. But, no, I, no, I, I know high dress. Um, you have a beautiful home, you know. But yes. like you, you, I feel like that, you, we're, that we're renting. I want to be clear. With you know? <laughs> oh, are you renting that? Well, it's still a beautiful home. Oh, it's a beautiful. I just want to be clear. The guy who owns it's the credit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, I feel, I feel, and that may this may be a Chicago thing, but like m- modesty. It's, it's, uh, I mean, you know, it's not. I, I, you know, I think here's the thing. I think is about that. A couple things. One, I think people when they see you on TV, and this is not always think until you like people are making more than they are. Like, I think that that's unless you get, and even somebody like, I think that, so I think there's a sense of like, I, you know, not that I'm not making money. I am making money, but I certainly, you know, I think we're living within our means in a way because we're trying to be responsible about it. You know what I mean? It's not like there's like, I mean, I'm not trying, it's not like there's like, you know, stacks and stacks of cash just piling up. Like I (laughs) If if it got to that point, you might see me in a like. Where, he's got an actual hoverboard, you know. Like, <laughs> like I, you know, I'm not, you know, I. And there's things that I do, like I do. It's really important to me that, like, when my phone breaks, it's good to be able to go. I just got to go get a new phone. Like that's one of those things where it's like I feel very uh, privileged to be able to do things like that, you sure. know. Uh, but I also, yeah, like I'm saying, I'm trying to live responsibly. But you know, if if I do for some reason get into some sort of like, you know you know, like I said, several sequels of Pixar, you know, I probably will live in a nicer house. Like, I just think it's like, you know, it's like, so I'm not, I do think, but also it's not really the things that I think are important to have are not the things that like I would, you know, when I, I'm not going to ever be, it's, I'm not like waiting to the point where I can have nice jewelry and where it be, you know, like I'm not trying to like, Oh, finally I can buy the new Kanye sneakers. Oh, that's not ever going to be who I am. This is not who I am, you know? So 
I think there's things that I will never, luckily I don't have those habits. So I don't have to worry about like my, my wife's never going to, like my wife says you have so many pairs of shoes, but they're all pairs of shoes that were, that I got from TV things I did. Like they're not things I bought. <laughs> like, just, so, you know, I think that like, uh, yeah, I don't think I, you know, it's important to me that like, like for example, the things that we spend money on, like, I don't think I had an organic apple until I was 25 and my kids like, you know, that's just, it's, we try to, you know, let's do that. Cause that seems to be better. Right. You know, like, so they, that's where some of the money's going. You don't want the Chris Rock life. I mean, but I think Chris Rock, you know, stepped, he, you know, he was a zebra in four or five movies. You know? right. So, like, I think that, uh, again, he got to the point. Where, and I think also, I think, yeah, I think me and Chris are very different. So I think that that's, you know, that's also a part of it. He called me a hippie, which I was like, that's hilarious because I live in Berkeley. I, nobody calls me a hippie in Berkeley. Uh, <laughs> when did but, he call you that? While I was on Totally Biased, I mean, at that point, he sort of like, I mean, I don't know if he, but something like that, it was something like, you know, he, he called me a lot of things. But the, it was just like, I really, he really always put on me this like super like like lefty bohemian progressive thing that i'm like i mean i'm into that but i'm not in the center of that you know yeah. when i walk when i go to the berkeley farmer's market i'm not the most hippie looking person there by far you know so but but again i am at the berkeley farmer's market so yeah that, that's <laughs> did you think you'd end up there the berkeley farmers i mean that's something that happens over time move to the bay area you you know i think that's probably something that my wife has pulled me into but you know i like going to the farm like it's fun to like sort of have a saturday thing to do let's go to the farmer's market and buy some carrots and strawberries it sounds so adult <laughs> i mean i am an adult and and happily an adult so yeah there are times when i look around my life and and it's very it's very domestic but i'm also personally likes routine so it's sort of fun to be able to like you know that's one of the hard parts about travel is the routine gets broken up but it's fun to be like saturday morning let's wake up let's let, we're gonna make pancakes with real maple syrup again i didn't have real maple syrup till i was probably 15 years old <laughs> and, uh you know again I, mean, I think about that all the time with my kids like you have no idea what aunt jemima syrup tastes like <laughs> I had that as a kid. That it's just fine. It's just it, it, fine. No, it's, you're right. It's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm, 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 it's totally fine. And you know, that with my kids, I'm like, oh, let's get that maple syrup, and and I'll keep wearing these free shoes and free pants. I keep getting like, so I'm not gonna. My money's not going into clothes. It's going into maple syrup and organic apples. That Saturday morning routine, like. I feel like that's what makes you a lot different than most working comedians. You know, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's funny, I guess, because I'm, uh, yeah, a lot of comics. I'm also a little older than most of the most, most of my contemporaries. So I feel like, yeah, you guys will be here in 10 years. Like, hurry, you know, like he, mm. me and him are sort of hang out together. But he's, I'm 10 years older than him. So I feel like in 10 years, I, like a lot of times I look at him like, yeah, you'll see. <laughs> you'll see. <laughs> Then I like I really feel it's sort of funny. I'm younger than him, but I probably my life is probably more like Jim Gaffigan's than it is like any than most other than like Kevin Hart's or uh, you know even though Kevin Hart has kids, but he's you know he's living that rock star lifestyle. So uh, yeah, so I feel like whereas I see Jim Gaffigan like take his kids on stage with him and they're on tour with him, and I feel like that's a life I would like me and Sammy like a couple months ago went to LA just the two of us for the first time I've never we never gone on a plane together just the two of us mm -hmm. and I just and she was like I, I sort of wanted her to go with me because I wanted to see what's going on when I do quote-unquote go to work because uh, it's all and so we you know went on a plane and went to LA and, and had like a great time it was super stressful because it was like you know I'd never been in like another city with her just me and her but 
uh, I was like, I just was, it's really important to me that she sees what I do in the, and so I have more visions of doing things like that. I think that for me, the family part, if I start to forget the family part, then you start to, then you start to, like, <laughs> I feel like it's very clear that at some point Donald Trump forgot what it means to be a father and, a, and, a, and a husband. And so he could sit on Howard Stern and talk about how hot his daughter is. Yeah. Like, well, it's like, oh, so, oh yeah. you can on these <laughs> <laughs> that's the height of like i think he actually forgot that was his daughter and that may yeah. have just been like a random person to him that he thought was attractive yeah that she he looked at he looks at his daughter and sees that she has the parts that he has generally thought are attractive in a woman and he didn't ever in his brain he didn't go but that's my daughter like he <laughs> he doesn't see his daughter he sees a collection of parts and to me it's like you know, for me, it's like, oh, you not, you didn't grow up with this person, so you probably just met her when she, you probably just looked at her the first time when she was like seventeen years old. Like, who's this who just in my house? Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> who invited the hottie? And so, to me, it's like super important to not end up being Donald Trump. It's also not, about, like I think I can get there. Yeah, that's good. You got that across. Yeah, we had to make that clear. It's also yeah. good that you have a family because I feel like it provides sort of like a mental stability that most comedians maybe don't have. Uh, you know, I, I, it definitely grounds you. I mean, it definitely is an invitation to be grounded. It's not true. It doesn't, you know, having a family doesn't ground anybody. But, you know, it definitely is an invitation to be grounded. And then, so like right now, like I'm sitting here talking to you. I just dropped my kids off at school. And what it means is that when I go on the road, there is a sense of like, be like I can't just go out there and be like, after the show, everybody, we're getting drunk. Like, you know <laughs> Like, not that I, I have a couple drinks sometimes, but there's a sense that, like, the road can be a very debaucherous place if you if you want to make it that way, right. or at least a very irresponsible place. And I certainly can't say that I've never taken part in that, but I also feel like it's just something about, like, thinking about, like, my family back at home. It's like, I'll have a couple drinks, then I'll take my ass back to the hotel and watch Netflix like a grown-up. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it certainly is a thing that, it helps keep me, you know, uh, it, it helps keep me grounded in a way that I think if I didn't have kids, like I look at like comedian friends of mine who are single and it's not like, and it, I want to be clear. I'm sometimes like, man, that looks like fun. But also I go, yeah, but I'm pretty happy about these kids. I, you know, I'm, I, I like these people in my life, like my kids and my wife. So I would like to keep them here. Plus, plus dating is not that fun. You, you remember the, no, the, no, no, the, not, not. the first episode you were talking about, like J dates or I remember it was something crazy. Uh, Craigslist dates. No, Craigslist I, dates. Oh my I, god! I, I thought I'd have been lying. I think you can, you know. But uh, yeah, Craigslist dates. So yeah, no, I was never good at it. Uh, there's a there's a there's a trail of woe and just and just bad stories and no, you know, and and I mean, I, you know, I was always a person who was mostly in relationships. In the brief times, the few times I've been single, it's never worked out very well. And and I look back on that and was like, that was a that was kind of a mess. So uh, yeah, I don't look. The only thing sometimes I'm like, it's just funny to hear about. Like I I kind of know. I wonder, you know, thinking about like things like Tinder, like oh, that's sort of interesting. Oh, I would be totally a disaster. Like I, would feel like, like I just know that it's like like that would not be good for me. Like, and also I think being a little bit famous in those situations is really like I can't imagine. Like Hari was on some of those. I think he was on Bumble for a while. He said, oh, and yeah. it was like so people are like finding him. Oh. And to me, that's like a little bit like of a, a weird place to be. Like because you know they're there because you're because they're a fan of yours, but then you're also trying to create a relationship. But then the power dynamic is such that it's like they're just sort of having an in, you're having an interaction with a fan, not a person. And, you know, so to me, it's just like that's no, that's that's too complicated. I would be a disaster at that. That is odd. Do you feel like you've ever abused your power? 
Uh, I mean, you know, I think <laughs> abuse my. I think there's. I mean, I have a, you know, forget it. Before I was famous, there's also a level of like male privilege, and you know, and also being a heterosexual guy, like and tall and big, and like all these things. Like, I, I certainly there's times I look back on and see like the the activities of like a of a of a, like a, a stupid young dude, like you know, of just like like I think Craigslist dates. I was I, there was times I was pretty callous about that. Like it was sort of like, you know, sort of like I mean, I think. There was times where I sort of like ended things really abruptly because I was like, I'm done with you, you know, and I, but I don't think in a way that like, but also it happened to me sometimes. But I, so I think back at that and go like, there, it's funny, I think about this sometimes, like there, if, you know, if, if I get too famous, there might one day be a press conference of, of just bad Craigslist States women. Like, no, like, <laughs> that happened illegal, but just like, he was like, he sent me an email and he said he was going to email me back the next day. And, you know, you know, but I just think it's nothing like, I want to be clear. It, it's nothing that's like, I'm not worried about the illegal side of it, just the embarrassment, embarrassment, humiliating side of it. You're not, you're not afraid of uh, the Billy Bush. <laughs> And we, this is the thing about that whole thing. I just, we talked about this on Politically Reactive today. Uh, that I'm not going. There's a lot of men online right now claiming they've never, like, I've never heard talk like that, and I've never participated in talk like that. I can't claim that. Now, I now I can. I've never participated in talk of like my sexual harassment exploits. That's never happened. Right. But being around dudes talking and saying things that I've, are horrible. I've hundred percent heard that before. <laughs> exactly. Like and and also it's the difference is between the difference between me and Billy Bush is sometimes I just go, Oh really? That's a, okay. And you just get quiet and you sort of like wait till the bus ride ends and you get off and run off the bus. Uh well the so difference I, is I've never interviewed someone and then didn't like say, Huh, that's interesting. Can you can you talk about that? Can you elaborate? Like in sort of casual, not recorded conversation. I'm sure I've heard stuff of that nature. Yes, yeah. I mean, I yeah, that's true. I, and I think he, they were in a work environment, but not being interviewed. You know, blah blah blah. It was definitely like they were they were using that bus as if it was like a private space, even though they were both mic'd up. And also, the thing about that is also it's about showbiz that people get away with a lot of gross shit in showbiz. Right. That you know, I mean, you, since the founding of showbiz was like we want to be famous and we want to do gross stuff. That's true. And, and so I just feel like that that's that's about showbiz right there. That Billy Bush has probably had conversations like that with other people. It's just the difference is those people didn't end up trying to run for president. Is that partly why you've stayed in Berkeley? Yeah, I stayed in Berkeley because I'm just a healthier person when I live in a place that I feel comfortable at. And so the East, I mean, it's basically the Bay Area, specifically the East Bay. Uh, I just feel like my brain feels like it's the uh, Anna Sale from the podcast Death, Sex, and Money just moved out here. Yeah, yeah, you were telling me about that. Yeah, and so and and I was she was over the other night. We were talking, and it was just like they were just and they were coming from New York, where it's always like twenty four hours a day, like honking and car noises and and people yelling and you forget about it. Literally saying that, like it's like, <laughs> not just making fun of people who say that, but actually saying that. And uh, and so we were just talking about like I was like, yeah, get prepared. To, it's gonna slow. Things are just gonna slow way down. <laughs> she was like, and we were just talking about the idea of like. Things are just slower and you're, and you're, and you can just sort of take up, you can actually take a moment. You can be walking down the street and stop and go, I just need to take a moment and nobody's going to get mad at you. <laughs> like, it's crazy. You may even find yourself being happy. It's, it's a weird. Yeah. And you may find yourself, you may find yourself being like, like bored. <laughs> like you may find <laughs> just had a baby. So that's probably not happening. But you know, but it just really the pain, like leaving my house, even at like eight o'clock in the morning, it's like we live near schools. So there's a lot of school activity, but then the school activity when all the kids are dropped off, it just stops. Everything slows right down. And despite the fact that my doorbell has rung twice, I'm like, "What's happening?" That's a big deal. So, you know, but it's just it feels like my my brain has more room to sort of like detach from like being in New York. And I'm going to New York this weekend to these shows. It's like 
I mean, you 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 can feel the buzz of the city even when you're in a in your bedroom under the covers. Like it just it still feels like it's still the city's still like calling your name, and and then you go outside and it's just like ah, even in the middle of the night when it is ostensibly quiet, it still just feels loud. Mm. And so yeah, so it's better. And L.A. is just never never was going to happen. Yeah, well, well, that's another conversation we should have. Uh, but when it comes to CNN, like that's that's New York's base, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. They're, I mean, they have headquarters in LA and DC, but I mean, they have offices there and studios there, but yeah, New York is their base and Atlanta, of course. When you're in there, is it, is it overwhelming? Uh, when I go to CNN? Yeah. I mean, it was at first cause it is a huge, it's in the Time Warner sending center. And it's just a, it's a, they have a lot of floors and I would get confused where it's going, but the, it's just that thing where too, but now that the, the show came out and every, you could just sort of feel like things slowing down in there for me like i sort of knew where i was going and also you know when you walk in the security like i don't have a cnn id card and so every day i'd have to go in and have to show my id and they'd have to do that it was just for process and now i walk in they're like i know you like it's sort of like that new york thing where the security right. guard yells at you <laughs> but then but that's not the same for my friend uh that's nice yeah it's nice like yeah it's a guy named tito who's always like ah mr bell and it just feels like hey tito you know like there's just like this whole thing about like I like the fact that I can go to New York and have that sense of like everybody knows my name. And so, yeah, now I go in there and, you know, the show's been a success. So there's people there who were, have been supporting the show since before it was a success. Who I feel like we all sort of went through this together. And there's also people there who just like are happy that there's another successful thing and, and they, people like the thing is interesting. So it really feels like when I go there now, the only thing that's intimidating is actually being on camera with a, with a, in a box with four other people trying to, everybody trying to be quippy up against, trying to score points. That's the only part it feels intimidating. Mm. Do you find that they're like particularly good at it? What? The, the people, like when you're doing like that in live studio stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's people who do that for like, I mean, you know, people like Angela Rye and like, uh, uh, what's her name? Kylie McElhaney and like, you know, there's people in there like who's like a, Angela's a, a Hillary supporter and Kylie's a Trump supporter, and then there's like there's these there are people who are like in Mark Preston who like they literally are sitting a scene in all day long, going from show to show to show sometimes, and they've really and Van Jones have figured out a way to talk in those soundbite ways where it always sounds like tweets. They're always talking in ways that people are going to tweet what they say, right? And if you see me on, I can I'm pretty good at Twitter, but if you see me on stage, there's a kind of around. I take a while to build the thing. Sometimes it's not always as succinct as. Trump is the nagging cough that turns into full blown AIDS. But mm-hmm. so for me, sometimes I have to like really do a lot of preparation to sit down in those spaces. And sometimes I feel like it's all about scoring points too. You're all, everybody sort of wants to be on there and, and be the thing that media or raw story goes, look at what this person said to this other person. And you want to be the person who said the thing, not the person who had the thing said to them. So like, yeah. it's a really, you know, you get to keep score about that. And I just sort of like, for me, it's like, that's, that's the same reason I don't really, go to a lot of comedy clubs anymore because it feels like in that environment you're also keeping score and i like to sort of like play my own game is there any conversation like before you guys start rolling between the people like on set yeah i mean a lot of times it's funny i mean i'm not there that often but yeah i mean like kylie mcelini who is a full-throated trump supporter like just i mean just a full like you know like you can't you know, Donald Trump just shot an, a nun in the face on Fifth Avenue. Well, well she was asking for it. Yeah, let's unpack that for a second. The Catholic Church, like she was just like, you know, like, you know, like, and so I mean, and so so when I watch on TV, I'm like, she's really good at it, but I'm also like, oh my god, you're so scary. And then she's like, she walked right up to me, hello, Kylie, I like your show. <laughs> you know, like, it was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know. So there's there is a sense that. 
it's I, some of those people I think do actually feel hatred toward each other, and some of those people I think it's like I'm just on this team, you're on that team, and after the game is over, we can you can we can high five and go about our business, or we can even talk about our kids and stuff. So there is a sense of like I had to adjust to the fact that like. It's you know it's like the same thing with sports. Some players actually hate people on the other team, and some players know next season I might be playing for that team. <laughs> like, so, like, it's, uh, it's not uh, it's it's everybody's not as and that's the thing that's sort of hard for me to adjust to because I feel like if I don't agree with you ideologically, mm-hmm. I, I mean here's the thing. I mean it's funny the United States of America is about this exact opposite point. Like, can we have ideological disagreements but actually have a conversation? But I feel like. See the a lot of those cable news stuff is about actually ginning up the ideological disagreements, and so then for me it's like we're not actually having a conversation about these disagreements. We're both trying to score points at each other, and then so for it's there. It's hard, after that, it's hard for me to sort of throttle back down into a regular conversation. You are the worst example of American that America's ever seen, and you and Donald Trump should get out of anyway. Oh, thanks for the show. What are you? How are your kids doing? Like it's just. Really- <laughs> Really, like you know, it's a it's a really and there's people there who know how to do that, and I think that's a that's a that's a skill unto its own. Have you had to adapt your personality, or like, do you feel like you've been molded at all by CNN? Uh, yeah, you're molded by all this stuff. I think that Van Jones actually, to, to quote back to him, put it in a very good way. Like the Van Jones you hear on CNN is not the Van Jones you hear on like you hear on like you know KPFA because he's sort of a different person at different times, and you have to learn how to sort of be those different people. And so for me. Certainly there's a version of myself that when I'm about to go do those CNN things, I sort of like, you know, it's like cue the Rocky music. Dun, 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 <laughs> There's a version of myself when I'm going to go do stand-up tomorrow night where I'm like, where I'm like sort of like, it's a little bit more unplugged. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Man, it's all awful. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I was thinking about the Obama legacy bit in your special. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a bummer. Can we, <laughs> do, you think, do you think we could just have him come back? Just... I, I mean, that's what I'm talking about back right now. Like, I think if we if we sort of were all honest with ourselves, no matter if we were the left or the right, and just sort of had an honest discussion, go, hey, guys, do you just want to give him four more years and redo this whole finding two people again thing? <laughs> like, I think people would be like, yes. Because <laughs> 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 it's like, agree with him or disagree with him, at least you're pretty sure what you're going to get from him. Like, it's like, at least there's a sense of like, like with that, what's going to happen. And I feel like with both these people, like, you know, I'm not saying they're, I'm not creating a false equivalency, but there is a sense where it's like with like with like Trump, it's like, oh, well, that could be the biblical apocalypse. Uh, but with Hillary, it's like, I'm just not sure that you have my back or you have the backs of the people whose backs I need you to get. I know you're going to say you do and I know, you, but I'm not sure. I'm not, right. uh, you know, I'm not sure. How, I'm not sure how this is going to look once you're in office. So I think that, uh, yeah, I think that it, it is going to be a bummer. And also, I'm really happy for him and probably mostly Michelle and their kids that they can get out of there. Like, you know, that they, right. And you know, cross my fingers that they get out of there all healthy and, and with all their fingers and toes. Like, you know, so it's just like, you know, the, I mean, in some sense he was sentenced to eight years of the presidency, you know, as being a black, the first black president. And it's like, let that dude be free. Let that dude like finally go back to Kenya if he wants to and not be worried about what it means. Or like, you know, like he's probably like, let him go to Hawaii and, and put on some dad jeans and just, you know, grow out that afro and i like to see him with a beard next time i see him sort of like al gore did it mm-hmm. and, and michelle it's like no first lady in history has had to work harder than her like maybe as hard maybe eleanor roosevelt did some stuff but i feel like she could not take a second off right. you know laura bush i remember going years without seeing laura bush <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it was just like i think she's around there somewhere you're like but, where is she i don't know yeah. where she is 
nobody really cared because nobody she did she wasn't a symbol for anything other than just another first lady. I mean, maybe for some people, but not as a as a country. Whereas Michelle Obama, she knows every time she steps out her house, you know, she, black women in this country are like. You know, or she's like that's our that's our that's our that's our best self. She's left know? a legacy for sure. Yeah, that's so, what I said. Michelle Obama is Beyonce's Beyonce. <laughs> so <it's>, uh, <laughs> I didn't say that. Somebody else did. That's good. Uh, my last is so that's what I wanted to ask you. I guess is like you're 43. I am. Um, congrats on being 43. <laughs> I've been. It's been for a while now, so I don't feel new to it. But thank you. Um, what? I want to have this as like a time capsule because I, I think I feel like we're going to know each other till we're both alive or dead, I guess. Um, what do you want your legacy to be right now? Uh, you know, when it's all said and done that, you know, that I was, that I was in some, that I was, that my career was helpful in moving the conversation along in an entertaining fashion. You know, that's all like, it's just that it's not that it had to, you know, I don't, I don't, I think we, you know, I think George Carlin's career moved conversations along. Uh, Richard Pryor moved, con- Joan Rivers moved conversations along. And, you know, you may disagree with what those conversations are, but, mm-hmm. uh, but those people moved conversation along. Chris Rock does that. And I feel like that, like, I just want to be a part. And I think that the way I want to move them along is maybe a way that people don't normally do that in comedy. So I just want to be a part of moving the conversation along in the direction I want it to move along in. So, and hopefully, like, that it stays entertaining. I don't want to forget the comedy piece of it. That's the that's the thing that brought me to this. And until I go back to college and get some degrees, that's the thing I have to rest my head on. Well, yeah. Uh, well, once you have the amount of degrees your wife has. Um. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Between us, we have three college degrees. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll let you know if you are uh, not entertaining anymore. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Come out. Thanks so much for doing this. And uh, I hope you're well. I miss yeah. you. Yeah, thanks, man, and uh, good luck down there in L.A. I mean, it it makes sense. I think that's that's a good move for you. Well, there it is. We'd like to thank Seamus Curse for helping arrange this interview with the podcast. You can buy Kamau's special semi-prominent Negro on Kill Rockstars. We'll include that link in the show notes. Uh, But most importantly, a big thanks to Kamau for coming on the podcast. And, uh... Everything else you do. People. If this is the first time you've listened to the show and you enjoyed it, you should, as I mentioned in the beginning, definitely check out our episode with Kamal on episode two of the podcast, uh, along with other episodes with people like Iris Sachs, Melanie Linsky, and Alan Arkin. Also, if you have a spare moment in your day this weekend, I know everyone's busy, but it would mean a lot if you could write some sort of positive review on iTunes. It helps us reach new listeners. If you're not currently doing so already, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app. If you want to drop us a line about anything, feel free to email the show at talkeasypod at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TalkEasyPod, as well as our website, www.talkeasypod.com. As always, the music in your ears right now is brought to you by Vanilla. Our executive producer is David Chen. Graphics by Ian Jones. Illustrations by Krishna Shenoy. Social media by Maria Mayella. The show is produced and edited by Corey Atad. I'm your host, Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. I'll see you next week.
Medal of Honor podcast is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. It's a special thing to be a member of Navy Federal because they're a member-owned, not-for-profit credit union that invests in their members with amazing rates and low fees. That's why members earn and save more every year. If you are active duty, a veteran, or have a family member who is a veteran or service member, you're eligible for membership. Become a Navy Federal member today. Navy Federal Credit Union. Members are the mission. Insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry and me. I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com.